Hello there, and welcome to the Average Pundits podcast, your home for all things Premier League. And we have an extremely exciting topic for you today on the Average Pundits podcast. As you all know, the Premier League is back, and me and my colleague at this time on the podcast, Joe. Thank you very much, mate. Hello, how are you doing? Good. We are extremely, extremely excited for the Premier League to be back, aren't we? Yeah, it, it's it's been a long time coming. Thank God. I mean, we hope that you guys have been enjoying the content content we've been making. But obviously, when the football is on, fit and flying, that's when we're at our, our our top form. So hopefully, we can start coming out with some interesting content now that we've got a full regime of football back. Quarantine is going to get a lot easier with the entertainment on show, and we have a lot of extremely interesting topics to talk to you out of all of the games from the week of Premier League returns, uh, game wise. And uh, before we get into the topic, please do remember to uh, hit us on our socials on Twitter at Pundits Average, where we are live tweeting all of the games that are happening in the Premier League right now. And also on our Instagram at Average Pundits and the Facebook page, The Average Pundits. Don't forget, you can get in, in contact with us on our business emails uh, at theaveragepundits at outlook.com for any business inquiries for coming on the podcast. And don't forget, if you want to listen to us more, Follow us on Spotify and Apple Music and Google Podcasts. And also don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube. So, Joe, shall we get into the meat of the Premier League uh, breakdown for this entirety of of, of this week? There's so many games to get through. What an exciting time. Yeah, there literally are so many games. The, the, The very first game to kick back the Premier League was a rather, you know, kind of lackluster nil nil draw, which... uh. Luckily, with the rest of the games that we got to talk about, there were some uh, better performances. But Aston Villa versus Sheffield at home, a nil-nil draw with a very interesting talking point, though, Reese. Absolutely. You know, you uh, are watching this game live, uh, live tweeting this game on the uh, on the Wednesday. Uh, one big talking point coming out of that game was VAR and Hawkeye uh, letting down Sheffield United, and this came from a cross that the goalkeeper uh, Nyland let in. He fell into his own net. The ball was dragged across the line. And Hawkeye, uh, the system which vibrates the referee's watch to alert him for any goals that cross the line that may have a bit of questions. And the the, the buzzer didn't go off. Uh, Hawkeye have, uh, issued a statement uh, apologising to Sheffield United, but surely an apology isn't going to you know fund... You know the three point, the full three points that Sheffield United need to get into the Champions League spots that they might rightly deserve at this point. No, it, it definitely isn't. You know they've had such a, a incredible campaign, uh, amazing performances from from a lot of individuals in that team, but that was one hundred percent. If 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 you guys hadn't seen it, please go and check it out. It was one hundred percent a goal. It should have counted. Uh, a terrible mistake from the goalkeeper, but he certainly, certainly got away with it. So Aston Villa get a, get a point, you know, against a tough opposition. So I'm sure they were quite happy with the final result of that game. But, you know, apart from that, not too many other talking points. But, you know, it was certainly a controversial way to kick off Premier League football. Absolutely. And we move into the next game that we have. Uh, probably one of the more... Uh, controversial games a lot of talking points coming out of this game uh, the Etihad Manchester City were hosting Arsenal uh, for, you know a very uh, main event style game on the Wednesday uh, you know a, a very strong opening from Arsenal but the game did in fact end 3-0 a lot of things going wrong early injuries to Granite Xhaka and Pablo Mari uh, caused Arsenal a lot of trouble and this uh, spiraled downhill when the Brazilian centre-back David Luiz came on 
this is where the problem started for Man City. Uh, if you, if you, uh, as Joe, we'll probably say this numerous times. If you haven't seen it, please seek out all of the all of the things that we're going to talk about. David Luiz comes on and he tries to control the ball with his a bouncing ball to his knee. Uh, with his knee, uh, he missed the ball uh, as a, uh, as Jamie Carragher uh, said during his punditry uh, on Sky Sports. He uh, he said as a centre half, he can't believe that he didn't clear the ball. He just didn't hoof that ball into Rosehead. And I completely agree. He should be getting rid of that ball completely. Um, so Raheem Sterling scores the first goal. And then David Luiz gives away the penalty to make it 2-0, uh, which sends Arsenal down to 10 men. What what happened with David Luiz this game? Honestly, it was... I feel like it was, it was almost like a long time coming. It was, it was like shaking a bottle up and then... You know, when she finally opened it, just like fizzing uncontrollably. <laughs> I feel like this kind of performance from David Luiz was kind of building up. You know, he's had a very underwhelming season at Arsenal. I mean, when the, when the signing came in, I think I, I think alongside of quite a lot of people, you know, I wasn't mad about it. You know, eight million from Chelsea, a seasoned Premier League defender. He's also played outside the league. You know, he's got lots of experience. You know, playing top flight football for only eight million pounds. I didn't think it was too bad on paper. But the problem with the actual transfer was, I think they signed him in expectance to have, you know, to, to, to fix all the defensive problems. But he was somebody who needed a competent defender next to him. And Arsenal had no competent centre-backs, in my opinion. So just signing somebody who's coming to the end of their career, it, it's not exactly fixing the hole. It's just a short-term solution. And the crack started showing, you know, throughout Arsenal's entire season. I mean, even whilst Emery was still you know, at the club and it's, it's followed on through to Arteta's reign, but it was a dire performance from him. And honestly, I, I, I would under, I can understand Arsenal fans being absolutely fuming, but it's not like, you know, this game even led to anything better with their next result. Was it? Absolutely not. And Brighton fans will be absolutely buzzing with the fact that they have beaten Arsenal. I mean, to be fair, their relegation battle is, is still underway and top uh, and, and, and Tottenham fans are also probably really happy that Arsenal have no chance of really catching them. Uh, Arsenal stuck in 10th place now, Spurs in, in about eight. So uh, Arsenal are, they're in a really st- sticky situation. I get Matty Ryan had a fantastic game. He, he saved multiple goals. Uh, Pepe score, you know, fires Arsenal into the lead. Uh, it was a really good uh, curling goal. But as we've seen so many times in, not even just this season, but so many times in the last couple seasons under reigns of Wenger, Emery and Arteta, they they, they somehow blow the lead. Uh, a scrappy goal uh, gives Brighton the leveller. And then uh, Morpé, the French striker for, for Brighton, uh, beats uh, beats the keeper, uh, chips over him. Uh, and you know, I, I guess the questions do really need to be asked about this Arsenal team and whether Arteta might be the right man or whether more investment needs to be needs to be made and you know who 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 where do Arsenal go from here can can they obviously you say they put like you know David Luiz in which is like basically putting a bit of sellotape over a, over a leaky pipe but that's going to burst at some point and who 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 could they bring in to to fix this gap well, well, that's the question. Isn't it? It, it, it's what who you bring in to try and fix the, the predicament they find themselves in. I mean, th- th- this game also, having Burton Leno injured as well uh, after a collision with Malpe uh, earlier in the game, that was a massive talking point for the game. It's a huge loss for Arsenal, obviously, losing their number one. And 
he you know we don't know how long Leno's going to be out for um but that game led to more talking points as well didn't it because after that injury um a lot of the headlines were focused on Gwen Doozy apparently antagonizing a lot of the players you know talking a lot of um kind of trash talk kind of about trying to rile up the the the, the Brighton players um I, th- I heard a lot of stuff about him saying, you know, like about wages and stuff that he earns more than them and all that stuff. It's, it's really horrible to hear, you know, someone of, you know, Gwen Doozy's caliber, you know, doing this. I mean, obviously, paying no result, they lost the game, and he just looks him, mm-hmm. em- he looks embarrassing at the end of the game. But uh, I think Arsenal's problems are even more deep rooted than just a couple of player fixtures. I think there's a really bad attitude and an ethos of the club at the moment. I know the fans aren't happy. Um, I don't think you can fully blame Arteta. I certainly don't think he was the right man for the job. But, you know, he's inherited a completely broken team. Only time will tell if he can fix it. But without the backing of the people who run the club, I don't see Arsenal progressing any further whatsoever. Definitely. Arsenal do need to pull out the bag, uh, you know, to, to, to put, put, put it into perspective, you know. May, you know. Maybe a new defensive signing. Maybe they just need a complete as you say, an attitude adjustment uh, to, to, to try and you know lift the spirits. Because when, uh, when you're talking arguments on the pitch or it just in life, as soon as you say you're earning more than someone, that's what, immediately when you lose the argument because you've just lost all respect of the people around you. Um, talking about some fans that are not, in fact, happy with, with Arsenal at the moment, we, ha- we asked the people on Instagram, uh, our interactive stories, please go and follow us over there at Average Pundit. Uh, a user by the name Damien underscore, Col- underscore Coleman underscore 2004 says that Arsenal uh, could have to pull out the bag and sign Marquinhos. Now, how how w- would he be the man for Arsenal, do you think? Or as you say, it probably takes a bit more than one player to fix Arsenal's problems. Yeah, it's more than one player. I mean, Mar- Marquinhos would be, I think it's a bit of a, a, a dream signing maybe. I don't think he's really you know, in a position to be going anywhere. I think he, he, in my opinion, I think I don't know why anyone would want to leave PSG. You know, I think he's quite cushy there. But, you know, it's it's, it's certainly the, the kind of calibre of defensive signing they need. But, you know, an, an amazing add-in, you know, if any of you guys do have opinions, uh, please do get in contact with us on social media. Let us know who you want your club to sign. Exactly. And we have our last Arsenal fan, uh, Adam Neeland, who says uh, Maitland-Niles needs to be starting more. However, he needs to humble himself and uh, play right back more because obviously he does want to play uh, more attackingly. But if he wants to get into this Arsenal team, uh, yeah, there's a place ahead of Hector Bellerin who might be washed up at this point. Uh, he's not the player he once was. He wasn't the player that was once hot, you know, uh, hyped up to be the you know one of the fastest defenders in the league. Now he's just really washed up and a bang average right back. Yeah, it, it's the same situation we've got with a lot of these Arsenal players. I honestly just don't really know what the best kind of predicament for them for, for them to go is. They, they need to touch base at the end of this season and have a lot of big questions asked. European football, they've got to cut that out straight away. I mean, it's obviously not going to happen, but they need to get out of their head. They need to focus on a lot more than just contending for Europa and Champions League spots. But, you know, it's it's an uphill battle. I think it's going to take a bit of a long time. As you say, uphill battles were carrying over to Friday as Norwich hosted Southampton. And this did not go well for Norwich. Uh, Danny Ings ran the show. um, 3-0 to Southampton it was. And it was quite the the battering, to say the least. Uh, Max Ahrens was the only lively player for this Norwich team. You know, 
Max Ahrens is a very good player. We've we've talked about it on numerous occasions. If Norwich get relegated, what team is most likely to save Max Ahrens? I think it's a team which is crying out for our right back. I mean, the amount of you know talk that I've heard amongst the Spurs fans in particular, I think Spurs would would be very you know appreciative of a new right back. Um, the perfect example, one of the other perfect examples of a right back that Spurs could have signed. I mean, a, a little side note here. I just fa- fig- figured this out today. Um, Thomas Munier, who's at PSG, you know, he's just moved to Dortmund on a free transfer at right back, which is, I think, is a brilliant transfer. I mean, Dortmund losing Hakimi and him bringing him in, but that's exactly the kind of person that I feel that like Tottenham should have gone for. But you know, that they're, they're in need of a right back. Certainly, Serge Aurier isn't cutting it out. I think Max Ahrens would be a perfect, you know, little cheap signing and also someone with a lot of potential. You know, they they might be able to get him on a cut price as well, considering Norwich are one hundred percent destined to go down now. Absolutely. You can't really knock, uh, you know, Southampton for scoring as many goals as they did. Danny Ings is as in form as he ever is. And uh, I mean, what a player that Danny Ings is. Is he one of the more underrated England strikers? Or do you think now that he's proving his case that he is potentially one of the best England strikers at, at the moment? His problem was always his, his fitness, wasn't it? And his injuries, you know, that that's why, you know, Liverpool didn't work out for him. And, and you know, some things work out for the better, you know. He, he, he took his time, he with rehabilitation and stuff like that and got himself better and, you know, found himself at Southampton. And now, you know, he's firing on all cylinders. He's had an absolutely brilliant season. Um, it was definitely the, the second half, Southampton become more lively. But you, you notice his presence when he's on the pitch and he... You know, he was hungry for that goal. He definitely didn't want to let the lockdown ruin his form. So I think full credit to him. I, I would love to see Danny Ings, you know, in the next kind of England setup. I, I think he's more than proved himself worthy to be the, the number two striker. Definitely. Uh, Danny Ings amongst those other scorers, Stuart Armstrong and Nathan Redmond, uh, to help Southampton with the lead. Uh, putting 22 got, uh, shots towards uh, the Norwich net putting nine on target. Norwich only had one shot on target, and for, you know, for a team that's you know definitely dropping, then uh, they're basically showing that they have no aspirations of getting out of the of the relegation zone. They're only two wins away from, well, technically two wins and a draw and a draw away from from escaping the drop. They could be above Watford at this point. Uh, with that, I mean, goal difference aside. They could be above, above Watford, and you know it just shows that they've got no fight, and and they technically just want to be back in the championship. Yeah, the, the, you know, not all. It's it's a really hard thing coming up straight up from promotion, and, and, and you know trying to keep with with, with the big dogs and, and and keep yourself up, and because the Premier League's a tough league, you know, the Championship's a tough league as well. But I think Norwich have kind of proven that maybe this year wasn't their year. They need to go back, touch base, and then kind of go again. But you know, fair play to Southampton, a really convincing 3-0 win. Definitely. I mean, as you say, the, uh, the the Premier League's not easy to come up with. And we'll talk about one of the teams that have come up and definitely surprised us. Uh, oh, we already have talked about Sheffield United, but they have uh, played uh, later on. And that will be one of our extended games to talk about. However, the next game that we are to talk about on that Friday, the main event of Friday, uh, Tottenham. Uh, hosted Manchester United and this game was was quite interesting uh, in in a couple of ways uh, Steven Ber- uh, Steven Bergwijn net in a goal in the 27th minute um, but f- uh, wh- where where did the mistakes lie for this goal uh, Joe 
obviously we we all know that you're a you're a diehard Manchester United fan. Bergwijn's goal, it was a fantastic run. Uh, he did Harry Maguire for pace. Uh, it just shows how slow Harry Maguire is, and seemingly bad goalkeeping from what was it? You know, maybe 2016, 2017. Someone who was the best goalkeeper in the world now might have mellowed a bit. What, what, what was your reaction to to the Bergwijn goal? Well, first things first, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Bergwijn. It was a, a really well, you know, taken opportunity. And it was, you know, straight straight at the hair. But, you know, it found the back of the net is what it is. Um, the run came in. In my opinion, the entire defensive line was, you know, at, at fault here. But definitely, I think Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire did particularly poor at covering that. That was... That Harry Maguire mistake is, is is something you know that you really do not want to see, especially from someone you 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 bought in you know in the summer and you're putting a lot of faith in to lead your back line. And I still have the faith in Harry Maguire. I 100% do. I I think the the targeting of him online I think is quite disgusting. And that, that, that's my opinion. You know, whenever anyone comes to Manchester United with a big price tag, they instantly have a target on their back. You know, they cannot put a foot wrong. And being compared to Virgil van Dijk, you know, based on the current form he's been in the last couple of seasons, it's always going to be an uphill battle. So I feel like he's definitely got his work cut out for him. It was a basic rookie mistake from Harry Maguire, very poor defending. Um, and it was also very poor goalkeeping from De Gea. It was, it was a mist- two mistakes on both of their parts. I think De Gea vindicated himself a bit later on. He had that, you know, amazing save, you know, where he pushed the push ball over the bar. I think Lloris yeah. had a couple of those as well. Um, the game 100% changed when Pogba came on. Bruno was was phenomenal for the for the entirety he, he, he was he was playing, but the game definitely changed when Pogba came on as well. They the two of them seemed very you know very in sync. They they, they seemed to know what they what what each other were doing. Um, I've got to admit there was that pass from Pogba as well. You know the one I'm talking about where he, he knocked the ball wide. I think it was yeah. to Rashford. That that was obscene. You know what a, what a pass, but. Um, it was a penalty, in my opinion. It was a penalty. It was definitely, you know, one that was kind of made a meal of, 100%. But Dyer completely got skinned by Pogba. There was enough contact for the penalty to be given. I definitely think it was a bit softer, but it's, it was tactical play. You know, the penalty was given. And a well-converted penalty from Fernandes, you know, still keeping in, in, in good form from him. Um, the, other, the other thing that happened in that game was the second penalty call, which was not a penalty at all. No. No, absolutely not. And... Uh, I mean, you, you talk about the the, the penalty that, that that Manchester United did win, and well, you know, it, it shows that Manchester United do need someone on that right hand side. Uh, I think that the game, as soon as as you say, Pogba came on, but not only Pogba, Mason Greenwood as well. The pace was picked up so much by Manchester yeah. United, and uh, the, the 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 Greenwood and and Pogba uh, substitution just made the attack look deadly, and. Uh, you you need more players that can convert more dribbles. Uh, I was talking to someone on Twitter uh, who came up with a very good uh, opinion, uh, Mr. Nice Guy on Twitter, and he says that Manchester United do need a player that is a natural dribbler of the ball. As as you see in the game, the penalty one was a dribble into the box, and there wasn't enough that there hasn't been enough of that from Manchester United. You know, Bruno Fernandes and Pogba linking up. Obviously, Sky Sports are hammering home this tandem of, of Pogba and Bruno, kind of a, a storyline from, from Martin Tyler, maybe a bit of a biased Manchester United fan, but I'll leave my opinions at the door. Um, yeah, that, that, there's... Uh, yeah. 
that's, that's the whole thing, man. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Um, and so the the six, the six, I I do agree. It was it was definitely a penalty. Uh, Pogba didn't go down softly. It, uh, it, I think I think it was a definite penalty. Uh, Bruno Fernandes took it away very nicely. Uh, and again, the VAR pen, uh, overturned the penalty that uh, that was given. Um, you sort of got the, the the sense in the in the last you know in in, in extra time, uh, not in extra, in injury time. Sorry. Um, Manchester United kind of had no, you know, problems with the draw. They kind of played it, played it all out, passing, you know, passing back to the goalkeeper. Harry Maguire kept it for 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 a good thirty seconds at, at the back line before, uh, you know, Greenwood's last chance. I mean, if that play would have come off perfectly and the the, the shot was not whiskers away, we would be talking about a two-one victory uh, for, for Manchester United here. I think we were. I think we were the better team in that. Maybe not by much. Maybe only very slightly. But I think we were the better team. The Harry Kane wasn't present in that game at all. I know Martial was was pretty quiet as well. He had a couple of good chances, but he wasn't as um as clinical as you, as you'd want him to be. But Harry Kane was pretty much non-existent. I think if Harry Kane turns up on the day, it's a different story. But the games where he's quiet, that's the the chance that we have to you know kind of take opportunities and definitely get something. As a first result back, I wasn't mad at it. It's good to get a point, you know. Um, a lot of the rest of our games, I think, are, are definitely more in our favour. So that was one of the tougher games that we had left to play. But, you know, we came away with it. The, the, the only last talking point, I think, from it, that, that second penalty, that, that, that wasn't a penalty. That thankfully, it wasn't given, speaking unbiasedly here. Um, it was a dive. It was a dive from from, from Fernandez. you know. Um, yeah. I can I I, I I have no d- disillusions about that. And when there's a dive, and especially when VAR checks it, it's a yellow card. It's Absolute, a yellow card yeah. simulation, and and, and that, that that wasn't given. And this would I saw another really interesting example of this, um, which I will talk about in, in the games where where we do um, approach it. it. Was another game uh, that they recently played, where it was a clear dive, and just nothing being given to it. So I think that is another thing VAR needs to really assess, but that's a whole nother discussion in general. I'm sure we can fit a podcast somewhere down the line about that. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, you see this, you know, penalty that, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a definite dive. Like you can't, there, there is no argue. All the camera angles covered it. And I think, I think Bruno Fernandes probably learned his lesson after, you know, he probably might've got a telling off from, from from Ole after that a bit of a bit of a smack bottom but uh d- definitely shouldn't be doing that again you know diving is definitely not the way forward and I know that a lot of you know players at top teams are are you know he- you know sometimes heckled for diving a lot and it, you know Daniel James at the start of the season Luis Suarez when he was at Liverpool and a, a lot of these fast players now are are you know known well not necessarily known but they are you know, linked with diving and uh, one 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 last point that I do want to make about this game. Uh, a surprising player that I thought was probably the runner of the show in the first half. Eric Lamella played really really well. I thought he you know was all over the pitch. Uh, he played in central attacking midfield, which isn't his natural position. He's a, he's a right winger, but maybe playing him in in central attacking midfielder uh, as an, a central attacking midfielder is uh, is is definitely probably better than you know the, the the most positions that he's played at the moment like Marina might have found his player to play in that position he was definitely one of the more prominent players on the pitch um he, he's someone in my opinion I don't think he'll be at Tottenham particularly much longer I don't really think he has much of a tenure especially with 
players like um, you know Deli Ali and and Lascelles who could occupy that attacking midfielder role, maybe possibly better than him. But yeah, you know, it was an interesting little little little, uh, little display, you know, from 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 the Mela there. But all in all, as a one-one result, it, I, the, at the end of the game, you know, I was asked straight away what my opinion was. I said it was what it was. It was what it was. I think there'll be better games to come. I think it was an interesting view back from both the uh, Tottenham fans and Manchester United fans on what their teams have been up to. And I think both clubs have, you know, a bit more positive form to look forward to. Absolutely. Speaking of wanting more positive form, we move on to Saturday's game with the first game of that day. And it was Watford versus Leicester. Watford hosted uh, Leicester to a one-all draw. Um, Watford had chances in the first half uh, to take the lead and in the, early in the second half too, the Corey and Saar uh, in the first half and then Dini uh, missing a header. Uh, Soyunku as well had a really good chance to try and put Le- uh, Leicester in the lead early on as well, but again, not able to put it. And as a centre-half, you, you, you pride yourself on heading accuracy and trying to, trying to score the goals in the air. And I think... No. I think it, 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 it was definitely a. It was it was a, a weird. It was a weird game. I yeah. think Watford were the better team for most of it. Yes, they were. Like Leicester were very sloppy at times. They gave away the ball a lot. Uh, both both keepers, however, they did play really well. Um, and we we had two two really good goals in this. Ben Chilwell's was definitely the best goal of the week uh, of the week by far, and maybe a, a contender for goal of the season. It was picture perfect and. and it was hit with so much, you know, it was hit with force. Yeah, it was an incredible goal. He had no right to score that. I, I think most of that game he was getting kind of bullied by Saar. I think Saar played brilliantly. But um, yeah, towards the, 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 you know, the last kind of dying minutes of the game, that was an absolutely brilliant goal to score. But to kind of flounder it and, and, and to end in a, in a one or draw, you know, it, it definitely took away from the game, didn't it? Yeah, Dawson's slightly slow bicycle kick, but it still gave Watford the fighting chance to stay above the relegation zone that they desperately need. And, you know, it, what, what Watford are, are showing that they are looking at turning their form and, and staying out of the relegation zone and sort of carrying on their momentum from just before the break where they absolutely hammered Liverpool. Uh, we'll get on to Liverpool in, in, in a bit, but, you know, they, they hammered Liverpool, you know, as we said, Ismail Lassar, just just running the show against us and he's carrying on his form so uh, maybe he's looking at staying at Watford this uh, for the next season or maybe his stock has risen significantly and and could earn a move outwards I think he would be a great pickup for a lot of clubs looking for a right midfielder I think Watford wouldn't want to let him go for cheap I think he would only go for a bit of a cut price if they do go down but I'd imagine there's probably clauses in his contract and all sorts you know he's definitely a superstar at the club Oh, he's a superstar in the Premier League. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Moving on to moving on to next uh, the next games. Obviously, we we've talked about Brighton and Arsenal previously, and uh, we'll we'll skip we'll skip over that one and move on to the next game, the second to last game on the Saturday. Uh, West Ham at the London Stadium hosted uh, Wolves, who uh, managed to pick up a two 0 win. Uh, West Ham have seen a lot of really dull results recently, whether it be just before the the the, the the pandemic break or whether it be you know this first result back for them it's definitely not what they wanted and they, they just can't put their chances away and it took until maybe the second half where Adama was just you know Adama was brought on and he was just too fast to handle uh, a f- fantastic ball and Jimenez you can't beat Jimenez in the air like it's phenomenal like 
his heading ability. So he's one of the best in the Premier League. Uh, I pose this question. Are Adama, Jimenez and Diogo Jota one of the best front three in the Premier League at the moment, or at least the most exciting to watch? I'd, I'd 100% say yes. I, th- I think they've, they've proven it, you know, time and time again. They've proven, you know, that they are, they've got so much bags of talent up front. I mean, even then, they've got other players, you know, who can come on and do a job. They've got um, Neto and, and, and Pedence as well, and just sitting on the bench ready to come in and, you know, perform as well. So... I think Wolves' attack at the moment maybe doesn't get the credit it deserves. I think I think Jimenez especially. I know a lot of the headlines this season have um, more been focused on Adama Traore, definitely given some impressive performances in the league. But Jimenez as well, I think, is brilliant. I think he's a great striker. I think any team would be happy to have uh, Jimenez. And I believe that Juventus are willing to swap two players plus uh, a certain fee for the Mexican striker. I think uh, that... Do you see that going through? Yeah, but when when any of those deals come through, I think it's worth listening because he's certainly someone that I feel like deserves maybe another a, a, a crack at like, the top of the top of the league somewhere, whether that be the Premier League or whether that be outside of the Prem. But depending on who the players are, you know that 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 Juventus offer them, you know, that could be a really interesting move. Absolutely, I think Jimenez is definitely one of the best strikers maybe in the world at the moment like he is so prolific uh as i've mentioned before he scored more goals than ronaldo in 2019 and i mean it's hard to score goals at the moment with uh the the pandemic happening and and only the premier league returning but he's definitely on form and as you say neto with with the sublime volley uh to 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 double the lead for wolves they're they're, they're definitely knocking on the door of those european uh you know places and they could definitely beat some of the top tier teams in the premier league to those spots yeah, 100%. You know, Wolves, they've been a, an ascending club for, for, for a really long period of time now. And I think, you know, Jimenez would be a great addition to anyone's team. But right now, he's Wolves' man and Wolves should be happy they've got him, you know, and they've got bags of talent all, all around the pitch, you know. It's it's no longer, you know, that they're just a competing team, you know. They are a top six contender every season now. So I think, you know... I, I, if they can keep up the signings and they can, you know, retain some of these players, you know, they're only going to go go even further. Absolutely. And moving on to the next game, another 2-0 uh, result. Uh, Bournemouth hosted Crystal Palace um, and, and and sort of the, the, the now the, the, the talk going into the Palace games is, could this be Wilfred Zaha's last season with Crystal Palace? Is it, to, is it his time to move? Obviously, he had a big impact on this game. Uh, but Milojevic, uh, I, my my pronunciation could be horrifically off there. But, um, and uh, Jordan Ayew uh, putting the goals past Bournemouth in the first half, and I thought this was a, a big Palace show of uh, showing their masterclass in defending uh, a, a, a lead that they have, and uh, what 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 a masterclass it was. So um, you know, it, do, you, do you think Zaha is is going to end up leaving, or do you think he's going to try and see out his time at, at at Crystal Palace? I think it depends, really. I mean, last season I think was his time to go, and it didn't happen. So maybe even the season before that was his time to go. You know, it's a bit like the Hazard thing. You know, like I feel like Hazard's time to leave Chelsea was almost like two seasons before he did, and he's at Real Madrid now, and he's doing a job. He's he's, he's putting out some good performances, but. I don't think Real Madrid are getting the hazard. They maybe deserved a couple of seasons ago if they would have just took the risk and just went for him. 
Um, but now I think as time goes on, a player's expiry date gets a little bit closer to their top top premium form. So I think Zaha's time, it, if he wants a real shot somewhere, uh, you know, a top club, I think it's now or never. Um, but I mean, the other kind of main thing going into this Bournemouth game, um, before Eddie Howe made it perfectly clear to everyone, you know, Ryan Fraser had, you know, now played his last game for the club. Um, which I think is a tremendous loss, but for a club which is definitely competitive, you know, a relegation candidate, Ryan Fraser is, is too good to be there. I also there, there's other players amongst that Bournemouth team as well. I could pick out. I could spend you know a whole thing talking about it, but Ryan Fraser in particular, he's going to be a really good pickup from someone and someone on a free as well. Someone's going to get him for I believe. So you know whoever lands him, I think he's going to have a, you know he's going to be a really good little addition. But all in all, a comfortable win for Palace and Bournemouth are just in more trouble now. And we move on to uh, so, you know Sunday's games, and trouble was definitely on the horizon for a team that I, we, we've pre- pre- previously mentioned. The first team actually to have played, uh, uh, to, you know, the second team, sorry, to have played two games after the restart. Uh, Sheffield United went to St James's Park to face Newcastle, and what was a very, very surprising result for Newcastle, uh, winning three nil. Now I think I predicted maybe. You know, two goals maximum from this game. You know, Newcastle's known for their scrappy, you know, defensive style. Well, Steve Bruce is as a manager, anyways. And what a masterclass from uh, Alan St. Maximan. Uh, I have to just say, like, I, I after this after this game, I was I, I was a fan of him before, but I am such a fan of him now. Like he he does so much on the ball. Like uh, you know, after speaking to, to to someone on Twitter as well, and saying you know Manchester United do they need a pure dribbler could Alan St Maximan you know have his stock risen enough to play for Manchester United I mean Newcastle probably won't let him go for cheap but would it be worth taking the risk on a guy like St Maximan I don't know I like St Maximan as a player I I think he's he's undoubtedly talented I think he needs to refine it a little bit more to the prem um, we've seen a lot of p- players come into the Premier League who are very skillful, very quick, great dribblers. You know, they've got bags of bags of skills, you know, to, to kind of dish out, especially as a winger. But I feel like it, it's a, it's about more than that. It's about definitely refining your game using, you know, the talents that you've got and just kind of taking yourself to the next level. I don't quite think Maximum's there yet. I think he's right now we're seeing really good glimpses every maybe third or fourth game you know that Newcastle play that he's definitely got the talent there um and he was certainly prominent in this game but I think he's got a quite a quite a biggest uh you know climb to go yeah I think definitely his stock w- would have risen since joining Newcastle and I think he will have started turning a few heads um just by the performances he's turning out but I think he's not quite the finished article yet um Matt Ritchie you know he was also somebody who had a really good game for Newcastle as well as you know a rare goal from Joe Linton Oh, this, this, I mean, this did come after an absolutely horrifically missed chance from Jolinton in the first half. It could put, could have put Newcastle one 0 up, but um, it, it falling flat on his face was kind of a metaphor for his entire uh, Newcastle run at the moment. Not scoring since August, and now coming back uh, and, and scoring against Sheffield United, which <clears throat> for Sheffield United to let Jolinton score, that's. You know they've played bad then, and this is not the run of form that Sheffield United needed at the moment. After, especially after being, some would say, robbed at Aston Villa and you know making the journey to Newcastle and 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 getting absolutely smashed three 0 
it's it's a game that it's a weird thing to see in there you no one expected it yeah like newcastle played so well uh sheffield united just kind of looked like they were in shock after the villa draw and they were kind of looking to recover from that and they weren't actually able to I think the game was well and firmly put to bed after the red card. I think it was the 50th minute. Um, John Egan. Uh, yeah. Yes. The that red... was after an altercation with Jolinton in the first half where they both got booked. And then Egan actually got sent off for uh, for a tackle later on, as you say, in the 50th minute. And that's, yeah, definitely Newcastle took advantage of the of the 10-man, of the one-man advantage, sorry, and, and definitely honed in on. Uh, on you know, and took advantage and scored. Uh, managed to put uh, three goals past uh, Dean Henderson, which is a rarity nowadays. Because going into this game, they were the um, Sheffield United were the the least. Uh, well, they had the second least goals conceded in the Premier League, only behind Liverpool, who are currently in first. They had only conceded uh, a couple couple of uh, I, th- I think I think it was about twenty twenty five goals, and they conceded three. In the in the space of uh, of the ninety minutes, it was certainly a disappointing performance, um, especially after the season Sheffield have ha- have had. Hopefully, for their sake, they can turn it around and not kind of reflect too too long on on the performance there. I mean, Dean Henderson, especially as somebody who has been so, you know, he's he's been absolutely immaculate this season. You know, all, all the performances he's given, and he's putting a lot of pressure on David de Gea at Manchester United at the moment. Again, a whole other conversation. Um, Something I do have my own opinions on, but definitely will say for another podcast. Um, but yeah, it was, it was something definitely to write off and maybe focus to the future. Hopefully Sheffield can turn it around. But fair play to Newcastle and fair play to Steve Bruce. Absolutely. Newcastle do sit in 13th place. Uh, fairly safe at the moment. They're on the tails of uh, Arsenal at the minute and uh, <laughs> they could definitely overtake them. We could see Arsenal in the bottom half of the table uh, by the time the season's done. But moving on to the last of Sunday's games, I believe. Oh, no, it wasn't the last. It was not the last. Uh, I will rant about that game in a second. But before we get to that, Aston Villa hosted Chelsea in what looked like to be an upset until Chelsea were able to score two goals. Uh, Aston Villa taking the lead uh, through horse and uh, then Chelsea... Uh, coming back in the second half, Pulisic coming on, making all the impact, quickening the, up the game for Chelsea and uh, Olivier Giroud with a brilliant turnaround goal. Uh, who knew that Giroud still had that in his locker? But then again, Giroud has you know a lot of goals against Aston Villa, whether it be for Arsenal or Chelsea. So, uh, what what was some of your takeaways from uh, fr- from this game for you, Joe? I think um, it, it it was interesting, definitely. You know, when that first goal came in from Villa and it went into the half-time, you do kind of think, like, oh, my God, you know, Villa kind of doing a bit of a madness here. But it kind of, you know, got two goals conceded in the few minutes. It it then just goes back to the typical Villa story that, that's happened this season. I'm sure that game was very heartbreaking for a lot of Villa fans, you know, watching. I know there are a lot of Villa fans who listen to the, to, to the podcast and I know they have their opinions Um and it's, it's been a difficult season for them, you know, seeing such great individual performances from players like Grealish and McGinn and then seeing, you know, the results not coming in. So I do feel for the for, for the Villa fans, they've definitely had a rough ride this season. But I think, you know, Chelsea just capitalised well. And, you know, Chelsea this season, if they can have a positive end to this season, um, from a personal aspect, I, I hope, you know, not too positive. I want to definitely finish above them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're, we're behind them, but you know, still got a little bit of a climb to go. But if they can have a positive end to this season, 
bringing in Hakeem Ziyech and now officially bringing in Timo Werner as well. Is that that's all been announced now? Yes, I mean definitely. What could they do next season? You know, the, the possibilities right now. If they get a couple more big names in through the door, I think it's going to be a real, real, you know, good time to be a Chelsea fan. Yeah, Chelsea are have a lot of good things on the horizon. You know, Frank Lampard's a manager that does take young players and make them great. And Timo Werner and Ziyech coming in is, is just going to only strengthen that team. Uh, again, going back to our Instagram reactions, you can go to our Instagram at Average Pundits and react to our interactive stories. Uh, a user by the name of underscore by wrong underscore say that Chelsea with the with Timo Werner and Ziyech could actually become uh, title winners at this point. Could, do you see that being like a, a possibility? I'm, I'm not far off it, you know. I'm really not far off. I've heard a lot of people just, you know, shoo-shoo away the ideas and think, you know, it, 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 it's not on the cards. But I think with a couple more reinforcements, I, I, I really do think they're going to, you know, look a bit more prominent. I mean, obviously right now, title contenders, everybody is comparing their own squads to Liverpool and Manchester City right now, mainly this season, Liverpool, because they've, they've kind of left Man City in the dust, haven't they? But Liverpool's squad right now, you know, I think they've got they've got amazing players in there. But the reason I think they perform so well is the unity and they, they, they know how each other play. So I think it's not an overnight thing. You know, it happens after a long period of time. So, you know, credit to Liverpool for, you know, kind of working out the formula in, in large this season. You know, they, they've rarely put a foot wrong. And that is at the moment what players, uh, what clubs need to kind of uh, look towards and think, you know, this is this is the the standard. This is what I need to compete to. And signing players of the calibre of Ziyech and Timo Werner, it's not a, you know, it, it's definitely the right direction to go in. So full credit to Chelsea. You know, as a football fan, I'm excited to see what they have next season. As a, you know, opposition fan, I'm a little bit scared. Definitely. And as you say, unity is definitely where stuff lies. And, uh, William is bit of one of those people that contracts end this summer, and do you, like, he he was almost playing as if he was already out the door. Like he's already not interested in playing, and I don't think really Frank Lampard wants him to stay either. So he could be going to either another Premier League team or or somewhere across the world to uh to in fact play his football. But Tammy Abraham coming on in the 80th minute to replace Olivier Giroud, and I think Frank Lampard has has, has taken him aside and. Has, has sort of had a word about this, the Timo Werner signing, and do you think that T- Tammy Abraham's going to get pushed out, or do you think he's going to, you know, be happy to at least find some minutes behind a world-class striker, or maybe Chelsea might even play two up front and and play the traditional formation styles? I think you know Chelsea have played a lot, of, a lot in the past. You know, we we we're a single striker, but I would love to see Tammy Abraham still getting his shout because you know he's he is a great player, and also. He, even though it's an opposition team, you know, whenever there's a good English talent, you obviously, you know, being fans of the English national team, we want to see our our talents push forward in the right direction and given the credit they deserve. So I hope, you know, Tammy Abraham still, you know, has a say in the team, much like Ziyech coming in. You'd hope Mason Mount still gets his, his fair share as well. But only time will tell, I think. I, I can't see, you know, Tammy going anywhere for, 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 for the foreseeable. I think... It'll be a season at least of playing with Werner before we realise where Chelsea's uh, uh, thoughts on him lie. Definitely. And we move on to the final game of Sunday. And uh, nothing really of note to talk about in this game. The Merseyside derby, which was one of the biggest games coming into the Premier League restart, definitely within the first week. And we've, we, we get to the game and absolutely nothing happens. Uh, obviously, no... Uh, 
Andrew Robertson and no Mohamed Salah uh, in the starting lineup for Liverpool. And uh, Everton also started Gordon, uh, who was a, a young player coming through the Everton ranks. And neither team played exciting. Um, Liverpool's build-up was as if they had had a three-month break. They were very patient, but then the defence was met by Everton's patient defence as well. Um, I would say that uh, I, 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 I'm going on a rant here and saying that we definitely miss Mo Salah. We definitely miss Robertson. Uh, well, defensively, we were sound. We didn't let any opportunities go astray. Uh, Richarlison had a very close chance, which I thought was way too close. We shouldn't be letting a guy of the magnitude of Richarlison, who can finish with either foot, uh, we shouldn't be letting him anywhere near the box. Van Dijk kind of had him at bay for most of the game, but Liverpool were playing with no urgency. We wasted our chances. And as a Liverpool fan, I am quite honestly disappointed. Um, I know that you said you would take the one or draw against Spurs, which I think, I mean, as, as a United fan playing Spurs, uh, as you know, in the form that they pl- were playing in the game, I think that's a good result for United. However, Liverpool are the, I mean, they're the fate. All we need is two games to, to win the Premier League at this moment. We don't have time. I mean, as a Liverpool fan, I'm probably getting really impatient, but I think we don't have a lot of time to try and win this. I want to try and get it done as quickly as possible. And then we could maybe get some youth players, some experience at the end of the season. But uh, as a Liverpool fan, we should be, be we should be beating Everton 100% of the time. I think for, for, for the United one, I think as well, United and Tottenham aren't far off each other, you know, in terms of where they are as clubs right now. The gap between Liverpool and Everton is monumental. Everton aren't a top six club. They're, they're, they're a mid-table, low mid-table club, in my opinion, right now. I feel like Everton, every now and again, you know, they have the, 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 the players and they have maybe the manager, especially in Ancelotti, to be like, OK, Everton, all right, you, you've, you've, got, you've got the foundation, you know, let's see what you can do with it. But it's rare that we ever see a real push from Everton. And, and I think Ancelotti could be the man to do it. But again, as we always say, things don't happen overnight. So in this game... Um, a, fr- a friend of mine before the game, he 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 genuinely said to me, "It's either going to be a battering, it's going to either be like five 0 Liverpool, or it's going to be a nil nil draw." He said it's going to be one or the other. It's either going to be a battering or nothing at all. Um, and you know, I I I kind of questioned you know where the optimism was. You know, shouldn't it be? I thought it would be a straight battering, but he said, you know, potentially coming back after the break, and you know, and, and the Merseyside derby, there's always you know something there, so there's always the potential for for something to go to go wrong. So I don't think either club were particularly phenomenal in this game. I still think Liverpool are going to have no issues dusting off the rest of the competition, but you know, it's a very disappointing result, I'd imagine, for Liverpool fans. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of it came with the rustiness, and a lot of it came with just. I, <laughs> A lack of confidence, it seemed like we we obviously before the before the break we had uh, a lot of close. You know, we got battered by by Watford, and we had the close game uh, towards the end of uh, the first part of the season. Uh, Milner only just saving a victory and putting us within two wins of, of the Premier League title, and we still have two wins to get with with the with the next game that we're going to talk about as well. And Liverpool, we, we just need to we just need to seal it off now. Uh, we had two. We have. We had a lot of the ball. We had a lot of the touches in the game, and we allowed Everton still to have three shots on our goal. That, quite frankly, is not enough. Uh, Joel Matip going on, uh, going off. Uh, looks like he had, you know, t- twisted his ankle and had to be taken off. That was a, that was one of the injuries of the game, and uh, unfortunately, Dejan Lovren came on, and, and that d- definitely didn't help. 
uh, Liverpool's uh, chances of of winning either. So uh, that's that's kind of my rant about the Liverpool game. Uh, please let me know your uh, your guys' uh, reactions to the to the game or any of the games talked about in this in this podcast. So the last game that we're going to talk about, uh, I am fully aware that on the day of recording, we are recording on a Tuesday tonight. There are some games. Uh, that are about to be played. Uh, Leicester will host Brighton and Spurs will talk about West, uh, will host West Ham. And uh, th- those, are, those are two very interesting games that have a lot of promise in them. Uh, but first, we talk about the absolute hammering at the Etihad. Uh, another hammering at the Etihad, should I say. Burnley uh, were hosted by Manchester City and a 5 0 victory for Manchester City. Um, you know, kind of a slow 15 minutes. Uh, you know, a feeling out process. It was kind of like a boxing match. They were kind of, you know, throwing throwing jabs and walking around the ring a bit. And it took until the fir- end of the first round, which was the which was the drinks break, for them finally for Manchester City to finally crack uh, Burnley at this point. And Phil Foden absolutely ran. He ran the show so well. And he, how good is is Phil Foden? I think as a young player, I think he's brilliant. He's certainly City's best. Um best young talent i mean i i'm massively you know fond of him again plays for the opposition never ne- never never good to have uh, someone that good playing for the opposition yeah. he's um 100 one of england's best young prospects um but i think if you're going to talk about phil Foden, you equally have to talk about riyad Mahrez in that game because i think some of riyad Mahrez's play off, off the right in that game was again phenomenal and again Maybe Riyad Mahrez doesn't get the credit he deserves, you know. I mean, it wasn't long ago, you know, he was at Leicester in that amazing title-winning campaign. And, you know, he's he's, do, he's done extremely well for himself since. But I think he is just such a good Premier League player. Such a good player. I I, I, I honestly think Mahrez is one of my favourite wingers. He genuinely is brilliant. He is a fantastic player. And <clears throat> obviously, the Man, Man City were favourites to come into this game. Um, you know, a, a lot of people on our Instagram said that Manchester City were going to win. And uh, someone on our, on our on our Instagram, I, put, I posed the question, is Phil Foden the best young talent in the Premier League? And uh, the uh, user by the name of Aidan McElrew, I, I apologise if I butchered your name, but he says uh, players like Mason Greenwood and Gabriel Martinelli, uh, obviously playing for Arsenal, uh, is our better youngsters than Phil Foden? Uh, is it? Do you think that's correct, or do you think that they are just kind of the, the you know, the the three to go, to take the Premier League into the future? I think all three of those players, in my opinion, certainly looking at the top six, are, in my opinion, the best teenage kind of talents that you've got there. Martinelli, I think, has had some great performances in an Arsenal shirt, and I think Arsenal are very lucky to have someone of his talent at the club, considering the current situation Arsenal find themselves in. I would hope, as an Arsenal fan, to see Martinelli stay at the club, lead the line, but I don't know how long he's going to be at Arsenal for. Mason Greenwood at Manchester United, I 100% think is the real deal. It's going to take time to, you know, kind of make him kind of the, the, the top player. Like, I think it will be a lot, you know, behind the scenes coaching staff, you know, definitely honing in um, and having, you know, top players around him to kind of you know link up with him and, and show him that show him the ropes i think would definitely help um it's such a shame that we didn't have um ibrahimovic i know ibrahimovic was only with us for, for, for a short period of time but someone of his caliber you know training greenwood and doing a bit of one-on-one stuff or even wayne rooney or one of these kind of veteran strikers you know would be absolutely incredible i mean 
it's lucky enough his manager's, you know, a, a striker of the caliber of Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, you know, in, in his heyday was such a good player. So I'm hoping Oli can, you know, really take the talents that Mason has and, and progress them forward. But to say if any of the three are better than each other, I think is a really difficult one. I mean, biasly, I'd obviously, I think, I think, you know, a lot of people expect to say all oh, Greenwood straight away, but I think all three of them have their own merits. I think definitely Greenwood right now has shown a bit more promise than Martinelli in games. Um, just not take anything away from Martinelli. I think Greenwood's just been a bit more lively, but Greenwood and Foden right now, um, I think Greenwood's closer to starting at Manchester United in one way or other than Foden is. Depending on what Manchester United do in the summer, you know, that right wing position, that's not Greenwood's best position. He's certainly a striker, but it's currently open. You know, it's really, you know, vulnerable. So he could make a lot of appearances off that right. But Man City, you know, as much as Pep Guardiola, you know, talks him up, you've got to hope that once David Silva does move on for his, for Foden's sake, that he fulfills that natural role. I think a lot of people expect him to, but again, only time will tell if he definitely does keep it up. Yeah, definitely. You, you mentioned David Silva. He, he netted his 75th goal uh, in a Manchester City shirt. <clears throat> Do you think that could be his last goal for, for Manchester City, either at the Etihad or maybe just in, in general for Manchester City? I think he may have a couple more in him before, you know, his contract goes up. I think everyone, you know, is now well aware that this is, you know, his last one at City. And he is one of the, you know, alongside company and Aguero, in my opinion, he's one of the first, you know, legends of the modern City era. I think De Bruyne will join them, you know, once this is a, once he's kind of a bit further down the line in his career. But Aguero, company and David Silva, you know, they add their lists their names to the list of amazing Premier League alumni and David Silva's been an absolute phenomenal player to watch in the Premier League and you know City have you know they've they've enjoyed him for so long it's going to be hard to let him go but if Foden's the man they've got to replace him the future does not look so hazy absolutely and I mean Phil Foden could he replace David Silva very very easily or do you think that you know for for it's like I keep saying that the chemistry and the leadership of Manchester City kind of left this season when when Vincent Kompany left for Anderlecht. Do you think that's going to happen with Manchester City when David Silva leaves as well? It's another big name, isn't it? It's another big name that goes. You've still got Kevin De Bruyne, you've got Raheem Sterling and you've got Aguero. Those three are very prominent players around the club as well as Fernandinho, you know. Um, But I think a few more, you know, reinforcements are definitely needed for City. Um, Maybe defensively, I think that's where the problem. There, a lot of their problems lie. Attacking-wise, you know, they're 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 solid, but I think a, a couple of maybe defensive reinforcements just to bolster, you know, uh, Laporte's kind of amazing presence that he's got would definitely be the step in the right direction. But it's a big loss. It's certainly a big loss. Um, but on the pitch talent, I think Phil Foden could be an exciting thing to bring into that team. Definitely. I mean, from from just from this Burnley game. Uh, I, I saw a lot of Foden's talents. You know, he, he wants to get involved. He's playing with such a confidence that he just does want to get on the ball. And uh, you, you mentioned the pass uh, in the United game towards Rashford uh, in that game. And I saw another pass that was phenomenal. Phil Foden, a no-look pass towards Bernardo Silva to set up David Luiz's goal. And he was just the, he was the playmaker. He had his finger, f- fingerprints all over this game. And uh, he definitely did show that he wants to fight for his place in the team, and he definitely wants to to, to be there for for City when they need him the most. So uh, Phil Foden rounds out uh, Monday's games. Uh, the one game for Monday 
And there are two games being played later tonight on the Tuesday of recording. Uh, we'll probably have something to say about that in our next podcast. However, if you did enjoy, please go and share with anybody you can. If you're watching on YouTube, please give us a subscribe and maybe even like the video if you want to. We're not going to force you. If you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Music or Google Podcasts, please do give us a follow on our uh, profile page. That would mean the absolute world to us. And uh, if you wouldn't mind going and uh, following us on our social media, uh, the Twitter, we live tweet every single Premier League game from now, from the break of the pandemic, uh, at Pundits Average. Our Instagram is the at Average Pundits and our Facebook is the Average Pundits. Our business email for any inquiries to come onto the show and talk to us is the average at outlook.com. Joe, thank you so much for being here with me as always. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Uh, thankful football's back. And uh, I think, you know, along with the, the games we've got coming out, we should have a lot of interesting content down the line. A lot of interesting content for you, the listeners. And thank you indeed for listening to this podcast. We really do appreciate all the support that we get on these podcasts. So please let us know what you think down in, in the comments or on social media. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time.